welcome to episode number 77 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast. We are recording on July the 19th, 2020. My name is Eric, the host of the show, based in Southern Ontario. I'm a hunter, target shooter, ham radio operator, and computer geek. As a first responder, I witnessed an over-reliance on emergency services during major events, and I started a small preparedness company to help people get better prepared for at least 72 hours, if not longer. My name is Ian, and I live on Vancouver Island. I'm an outdoor enthusiast, reloader, and my pharmacist handyman. And I'm Hughes from Nova Scotia. I'm a Canadian Armed Forces veteran, volunteer firefighter and station chief, and also a volunteer search and rescue technician and a prepper. Um, I've been preaching and living the prepper lifestyle to varying degrees for the last six years or so, and this was born out of necessity for the short-term and long-term survival of my young family, which includes three children. My name is Tyler. I live in northwest Wisconsin. Uh, besides prepping, I also enjoy homesteading, metalworking, woodworking, engines, guns, and the great outdoors. And if you want to help support the show and keep the Canadian Prepper Podcast on the air, please buy a Canadian Prepper Podcast podcast t-shirt, sorry, at rapidsurvival.com. All proceeds help keep the lights on and the backup generators fueled. And if you're enjoying the show, please take a few minutes, like us on Facebook, and submit a review on iTunes. Uh, we want your feedback, good or bad. Or if there's a topic you want us to cover, uh, you can email us at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. All right, so we've got some uh, infantile content for you in this episode. Yes, the jokes continue into episode 77. <laughs> uh, we're going to first start off with some preparedness-related news articles. Next, we're going to let you know what we did for our preparedness since the last episode. And then we're going to get into the main topic of adjusting your preps for kids. Let's move into some news. All right, so uh, tonight, as we speak, we have a tornado warning uh, in southwest Ontario. So uh, Alan's not just showing disdain for the fans. He's actually without power tonight. Uh, he got pelted by some heavy rain, but also some guys from the other podcast, Patriot Podcast, were telling me that their uh, the roof's covered in hail, and yeah, some pretty nasty looking clouds around. So, yeah, it's one of those nights to have uh, a good basement set up or a storm shelter. So, uh, put the link in there as well. Absolutely. Uh, I don't think we covered it yet, but it's uh, I'm not trying to get political or anything, but uh, <laughs> it was just pretty unprecedented to notice that uh, the government, while not offering a full budget, did mention the fact that they are running a $343 billion deficit right now, which is online to put our, our national debt over a trillion dollars by the end of the year. Um, so, as far as an economic collapse and, and or economic issues goes, that's just something you maybe should uh, keep on, on the horizon for now for, uh, for preparedness. I thought the budget just balances itself, though. Or it grows from the heart outward? One of the two. Yeah. I don't know. But. Maybe a little bit of both? Yeah. Those are literally money compared to the states. Well, yeah. Long but, ways to go. <laughs> but one-tenth one the population, we should only have one-tenth the debt, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're, yeah. Pretty close there, too. Yeah. Crazy. Not if the liberals had their way, but... <laughs> <laughs> Just, I've got, just, got a, a news article here out of uh, Montreal uh, in regards to uh, a man being arrested after refusing to wear a mask at the, uh, the local Tim Hortons. So I, I threw this in here just as a reminder to everybody that uh, people are, you know, out and about. Things are starting to, to loosen up a little bit uh, as far as lockdowns and such go with COVID. But uh, just keep, uh, you know, keep your head on a swivel and, and keep in mind that, uh, you know, people are still, uh, you know, reporting on each other and, you um, not everybody is acting as civil as everybody else. So just keep your eyes open. You know, it, it feels like things are kind of going back to normal, but not necessarily. So I think uh, what a lot of people are like scared or they don't feel they have control. They tend to act, act out under, you know, under duress in, mm -hmm. in strange ways. I think mean, one of them is like, for example, calling the police because the guy's not wearing a mask, which really, I mean, worst case scenario, it's going to affect him more than anybody else. But yeah. Um, that was yeah. Watching the video that, that's in that article, 
it's a little extreme as to how fast it escalated and how bad it went. Um, so yeah, never underestimate the stupidity of of, of, a, of a, a mob. Yeah, yeah. You see those videos constantly down here too. It people videotaping. Oh, you're not wearing a mask, yelling at some innocent man in the store. It's like okay, if you're really worried from a safety perspective, you'd be a hundred times safer just walking by. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to standing there, you screaming at this guy face to face for five minutes about why you're, why he's not wearing a mask. That kind of beats the whole point. Exactly. Yeah. So. yeah. And, and I find at least, I mean, in, in where I am here on the East Coast of Canada, it's not a law that you have to wear a mask anywhere. So if a private business is asking you to wear a mask, it's not against, they're not infringing on your rights. It's a private business. They can mm-hmm. deny you service if you're not wearing a mask and that's, that's it, right? And then, you know, the local government is saying that, you know, for riding on the buses and ferries and all that kind of stuff, you will have to wear a mask and people are all up in arms about it. And it's like, well, then buy a car, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. like. <laughs> just yeah. don't don't take the don't take the bus or something. Mm-hmm. Anyways, yeah, it's interesting times and yeah. Um, so from my article, um, so this was uh, from a couple weeks ago actually, and it was an article in the Guardian, um, which is I guess one of the more reputable um, news outlets. Um, there's there's quite a few that aren't, but the Guardian seems to be pretty good. So um, it's just about how a lot of people, the mainstream media, and um, just your average show were mocking preppers and sur- survivalists until the pandemic happened. And it goes really in depth into the lessons that can be learned from preppers and survivalists and all that kind of stuff. Maybe not digging as deep down the rabbit hole some of us do, but there's some pretty good lessons to be had in there for the average show. So just a really good article I found. Nice. I think this um, whole year has been a good uh, justification for preparedness. Yeah, absolutely. It's been just a big commercial. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've got three separate articles, all from the Daily Wire. Uh, first one is talking about Portland protesters. Uh, Portland protesters led by the anti-fascist group Pacific Northwest Youth Liberation Front uh, threatened police and set a number of fires in the city's downtown Saturday night. Uh, the incidents, which were all caught on video, and you can see in the link there, uh, these mark the 52nd night of unrest in Portland. Uh, protesters there have been trying for days or weeks to establish an autonomous zone, similar to the one we saw uh, in Ch- like the Chaz Chop zone we saw in Seattle. Um, so in response to that, uh, the next article talks about this. Uh, the Department of Homeland Security recently deployed an elite unit of law enforcement operators known as BORTAC, or the Border Patrol Tactical Unit, uh, to Portland this week. Um, the, the New York Times described BORTAC as an elite tactical unit that operates in a similar fashion as a SWAT team, but for the Border Patrol. Uh, these guys got additional gear such as stun gun or stun grenades and enhanced special force type training, including sniper certification. Uh, officers typically conduct high-risk operations targeting individuals who are known to be violent, many of them with extensive criminal records. Um, so this is basically federal officers officers they're in full camouflage military uniform and they've got like the police uh, patch on the chest there um, you basically see them rolling up in an unmarked minivan they hop out they'll they'll approach somebody uh, typically the antifa guys are all dressed in like all black and they've got masks it's pretty easy to pick them out really uh, so they roll up to these guys basically throw them in a minivan and then drive off um, so that's been going on for three four five days now so they take them away for an attitude adjustment? It's good. Yeah, yeah, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, I, I remember, like, of course, like, Portland's only, what, a, less than a day's drive away from here. And yep. uh, quite often you'll see the, the bumper sticker on a lot of the, the organ plates. And it says, you know, keep Portland weird. It's like, yeah. well, mission accomplished. But yeah, no kidding. <laughs> no like, kidding. No, some of those groups sound a little extreme with the, the, their namings. Yeah, yeah. And that always seems to be a hot spot for kind of all the civil unrest and protests and whatnot. 
Um, and then uh, I guess the final article I've got uh, in response to all the civil unrest that we have been seeing in the States uh, in June, background checks for firearms uh, were up 136% compared to a year earlier. In the single month of June alone, the FBI reports that 3,931,000 background checks were processed, which is the highest since the FBI began conducting checks 20 years ago. Uh, gun dealers estimate that some 40% of these sales are first-time gun buyers. So people wow. are arming up to protect themselves, rightfully so, in my opinion. And interestingly yeah. enough, it's, it sounds like they were, they were actually like, it's all anecdotal, but it sounds like a lot of them are, are leading from the Democratic side of things. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. And actually, interestingly enough, because that famous guy that defended his helmet, his mansion with the AR-15 and his wife with the <laughs> yeah. pistol, they were Democrats, like lifelong Democrats. And yep. um, yeah, like, it's actually kind of funny how I think this has been the best use case scenario for the Second Amendment for the states oh, <laughs> since yeah, January absolutely. going to, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so. It looks like they're choosing to lawfully um, possess them, too. Yeah, I imagine yeah. that. Yeah. Do it. Going through Maybe all they the should be. things to jump through. And, mm -hmm. okay. Why not? Well, shall we move into uh, what we've done lately for preps? Yeah. Start with Hughes. Um, I haven't done a lot on the prepping front. Uh, there's been lots of work on the property grounds, um, some maintenance on the home as well. I had some contractors come in for the uh, yearly heat pump and water system treatment and maintenance. I also spent a couple hours on the enclosed trailer. So mine is about seven or eight years old now. So I needed a new coat of paint on the tongue and the jack, fresh coat of epoxy on the floor. I scraped the roof um, of all the sealant and reapplied some self-leveling sealant. So it should be good for another eight years, hopefully. Um, and that's all I got to in the last week or so. Hey, that's all right. Uh, better than nothing. Uh, for myself, um, so with the the backyard getting all filled in and, and backfilled and all that, uh, the crew let me uh, drive the bulldozer around and gave me a quick lesson on how to operate it. So that was fun. And uh, apparently I'm now a professional. No, far from it. But <laughs> <laughs> I could push some dirt, move some piles around, and uh, made it go back and forth, and I can move the blade around. So i got a, a basic understanding of how to operate it now. So... Uh, no, always good to learn a new skill. Yeah, uh, always fun operating heavy equipment too. Oh yeah, yeah. I was like a kid in a candy store. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> if there's one thing the A team can teach us that no 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 knowledge is ever wasted, so you can always take that you know bulldozer and run it through the, the warehouse side when you're <laughs> saving the day or whatever. All kinds of stuff I can do now. I, I asked yeah. them to leave the bulldozer as part of the deal. Um, it didn't work out, but oh, got to get better at negotiating. Yeah, I know, but I do so. It's still here for now, anyways. Uh, and also started planning out the uh, the fence. Now that we've got a whole bunch of property reclaimed, uh, looking at some further security measures because uh, I have noticed a whole lot of nosy neighbors coming by to have a look at what's going on. Now that they can actually see our uh, our property and and see the house, and because it was all just a bunch of bush and and stuff back there before. So we're, uh, we're looking at doing the fence now, and uh, certainly heightening uh, some of the security um, features for out back because. Uh, I said, nosy neighbors, I'm, I'm no longer out in the middle of nowhere. There's lots of people around, so we're going to start planning that out. Well, you can always just try wearing tidy whities and a wife beater or something, and you can just, you know, maybe they won't want to come by then. Yeah, but then you just end up at the, you know, the hospital in the psych ward. That's no fun. <laughs> I, want to, I want to be in my house. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for myself, uh, mostly just working. Uh, I'm still at least two-thirds or better of my regular schedule, so... Yeah, hasn't slowed down that much for me because of the COVID. So, yeah, still working many days. Uh, but luckily, work did allow me to have breakfast with Colin in Ottawa. So um, our regular podcast panelist here, Colin, uh, and I managed to meet up and have a few hours together uh, over some breakfast. Of course, everything was closed in Ottawa, so we had to sit up for McDonald's. But what are you going to do? 
So muffins are great. Yeah, I take out only at that. So it was kind of funny, but um, no, it's good to to finally meet face to face. That was the first time for us. Nice. Uh, did did a couple CGN deals. Uh, see here in the process of trying to get the house ready for sale. I uh, had appraisals done, fixing some minor things like even sprucing up the barbecue. Uh, I just actually added the trailer hitch idea because of what Hughes mentioned. But yeah, I've actually got a trailer hitch in my truck that I needed to take the angle grinder to, take some rust off, repaint it, and get it ready in case I have to like start hauling stuff with it. Um, yeah, see here. Actually, interesting note from the realtor that came and did our house appraisal. She mentioned that there's tons of people from Vancouver looking to come to the island because, because of the COVID. They were all stuck in their houses and some of them came back from like their place in Arizona and got stuck in their apartment for two weeks and couldn't walk their dog and so on and so on. But they all want to say, nope, I'm out of the city. Get me out of here. So they actually are all interested in starting their own, as she put it, self-sufficiency acreage. So she's like, you know, this place would be perfect for that. <laughs> I was like, you don't say. That's, that's so yeah, weird. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so uh, she was like, yeah, yeah. The podcast. Yeah, that's be good. So, Yeah. Uh, so I had a kind of good giggle about that, but yeah, lots of city people seem to be interested in getting uh, away from population centers, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, order two cords of wood just to, because despite all my chopping and splitting everything else, I may not have enough for next winter. And I just want to make sure that in case things go haywire with the second wave, mm-hmm. um, that I have enough and then some. So I just ordered some uh, extraneous stuff to uh, show up. It should be here tomorrow. And that's pretty much it. Yeah, so for myself, uh, it's been really hot and humid here in Wisconsin the past three or four weeks straight, so progress has been a little slow but steady. Um, Just touching briefly on kind of last week's podcast about the heat and humidity, uh, we've been getting daytime daytime highs around 90 degrees Fahrenheit, dew points around 80, so the feel-like temps are like well above 100 for a few consecutive days in a row. Um, And then this hot, humid weather typically leads to some really stormy weather afterwards, so we'll get usually two, three days of really hot, humid weather, and then a terrible storm, uh, and that's what we were dealing with last night. Um, and I also missed a podcast a few weeks back for the same reason. We were sitting down in the tornado shelter, um, and last night, again, was one of those nights. We had t- tornadoes touch down just a couple miles south of us, uh, multiple structure fires in the surrounding cities from lightning strikes and lots of hail and wind damage. Uh, luckily, our property's been mostly spared besides uh, quite a bit of standing water, especially in the pig pen. Those guys are like up to their ears in mud and they are having a good time. But uh, I just wanted to remind everyone, uh, take storms seriously. They move in really quick. I came in uh, yesterday afternoon from cutting, splitting wood, kind of knowing that there was supposed to be some rain coming through later on. And it was like tornado warning was just 20, 30 miles uh, straight west of us and heading directly for us. Luckily, it kind of dissipated or at least the tornado threat did uh, by the time it got to us. But we did get... Uh, two inches of rain last night, an inch and a half the night before, and just been some crappy weather. So make sure you guys take the storm serious. Have some, have a good shelter base or like a, a shelter in the basement or a room or something. Um, even if it's just like a table to crawl under, uh, have a radio, some way to get communications, and then some flashlights. Uh, besides the storms, I uh, just want to report all eight pigs are doing well, but it has been kind of a chore keeping their pen intact with all the rain. Uh, besides that, I've tore down four large wooden pallets and have been repurposing lumber for various building projects and built some shelves. Um, I talked a few weeks back about moving some sheds onto the property, and I got that done, and I've gone through. I rebuilt all the doors on the sheds, replaced all the latches and things, and then went through, uh, kind of refastened all the siding, and then painted both of the sheds. Uh, the smaller one we've got kind of behind the house here, between the house and the garden. And I've got that set up as a garden shed now. I've got all my rakes, shovels, uh, chainsaw, leaf blower, all that kind of stuff moved in there. 
I'm trying to clear out the barn and kind of working simultaneously right now uh, to set up for some goats in the barn. Um, also slowly working on getting the other shed ready for uh, poultry and possibly raising some rabbits in there. Uh, we also planted, uh, built and planted four mushroom beds. So we've got some wine caps, snow oyster, shiitake, and morel mushrooms, hopefully growing now. Uh, plenty of work in the vegetable garden. We've been doing some reseeding, uh, always plenty of weeds to pull, and then um, harvesting. Today we finally got kind of our first big harvest, um, green beans, peas, cucumbers, and summer squash. So uh, along with the garden harvest, we've also been canning uh, blueberry jam and uh, some rhubarb jam as well. I uh, did some maintenance on the truck and the car, uh, along with Ian, been cutting, splitting, and stacking some firewood. And then uh, for fun stuff, we just got a puppy two days ago. So it's a, a Jack Russell Airedale Terrier. Um, so we're hoping to raise that to kind of be a kind of be our farm dog and hopefully watch over the property. What uh, What did you name it? Uh, Bingo. So Bingo is his name. Oh. <laughs> Excellent. Um, and then uh, I got to go back to work this upcoming Monday. So my extended self-quarantine is going to be soon coming to an end. And it's back to reality. Well, I think you wouldn't <clears> speak <throat> for Max Preps. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been a couple of weeks. I got kind of a laundry list. But. You've uh, you've got a couple of pages worth where Ian usually does. So. <laughs> Somebody's got to fill in the blanks, right? <laughs> ah, that's good. Well, with that, shall we move into the, uh, the main topic? Yeah. All right. Take care, Ross. Yeah, so the main uh, main topic for this episode is getting the kids prepared for uh, for preparedness or prepping, and it's a, it's a topic actually that uh, a listener asked us to touch on. And quite frankly, it's a good one to to kind of have in the back of your mind, whether you have kids already or you're thinking about having them. Um, you're going to have to have some kind of plan in place for them. You're going to have to have some equipment and some gear for them as well. Um, so all the panelists have kind of gone through. We've put some stuff in the list together as far as what we think. Uh, you should have um, some things to add to your kits and, and some things that you can do. Um, so for myself, some of the stuff that I've got on my list here is, you know, engaging your kids in some of the activities, uh, depending on their age, right? You're going to have to gauge this towards the age group. Uh, obviously, if you've got an infant versus a, a teenager, things are going to be completely different, right? Uh, but once they're old enough, you can kind of start getting them involved in things like camping. It's fun. Get them outdoors, get them used to, uh, you know, living off the land a little bit and, and exploring and, and what kid doesn't like camping, right? So kind of a good spot to, to start out. Uh, and then a- another thing I've got here is playing some games. You know, so make it fun. Um, they, the whole preparedness thing doesn't have to be a doom and gloom, you know, sit them down and tell them the world's going to end and, and how terrible things are. Now have some fun with it because why not? Who wants to sit down and scare their kids half to death, right? Like it's... That's, that's going to get you nowhere and there's going to be terrified of everything. Um, so make it fun. You know, uh, when you're camping, you can, you can do things like teach them how to build a fire, how to responsibly look after the fire, um, how to go through the forest and find uh, wood that's appropriate for burning uh, and teach them what's not going to work. Right? Uh, and it's, it's a way of you learning as well. Maybe you're not uh, overly confident with that. So you can learn as well as you go uh, and find stuff that's uh, it's going to burn well, burn long and, you can introduce maybe cooking over the campfire at that point, how, uh, how it works, how you can best, you know, build up coals and then start cooking and, and just make it a fun thing. You know, you can make a meal for everybody who's camping with you and then have them make something small along the way or make you maybe give them a job of, hey, nope, we're going to make the main meal here and you can make the dessert and, you know, make like a s'more or roast marshmallows. Or just, just make it fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they've learned a skill. It's been, it's been fun and engaging and it's not the doom and gloom of, oh, my God, the world's ending. Put your tinfoil hat on. Yeah. 
Right. And I think a good way to do that with kids is kind of try to make things a competition. Like, all right, let's see who can yeah. collect the most firewood in the next five minutes or who can get their fire started first. Or, you know, you can kind of apply that to almost any topic. And it seems yeah. like an easy way to make it quote unquote fun, you know, <clears throat> at least for them. Yeah, and it can be fun, right? Yeah, it's absolutely. Yeah. Everybody can have fun with it and they're learning a new skill along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I bought, uh, there was uh, more I light my fire knives for the kids when we first moved to BC. And uh, first thing we did was like, you know, just made sparks just for fun, right? You know, in the air and, you know, just mm-hmm. goofing around. Then later on, we put it to like the test with like easy stuff, like, you know, with the oh, cotton balls and Vaseline. And then we went down to the hardcore stuff. And yeah, you escalate like that. Then you have little contests and everything else on the camping trips. So it turns into a little bit of fun for sure. Yeah. Um, I found for me at least, and I mean, I have three young children that are, that are two, four and six. And, you know, when I first started prepping, one of the first things I started, um, you know, kind of hoarding was food, right. And understanding that as an adult, um, you know, I'm going to have wants and needs when it comes to food, but it really comes down to what, to what I need and what my body needs. And I mean, I'm willing to eat stuff that I typically wouldn't eat because I know I'm going to be able to, you know, get more calories in and all that kind of stuff. But when it comes to kids, Anyone who has kids understands that it's not always easy to get them to eat something nutritious. So you really have to think about incorporating their wants, not necessarily their needs. Well, I mean, their, their needs and their wants um, when it comes to, you know, food preparedness for your kids, right? So eating rice and beans every day for three months, it's probably not going to fly with them. But if you incorporate things that you know that they like, right? So don't, don't try to introduce foods when you're in a very stressful situation with the kids, right? Look for comfort foods. Look for things that you know that they're going to eat. Um, like for my kids, I mean, if I make, you know, mashed potatoes and ham or mashed potatoes and steak, the kids all eat it. So I know that that's a meal that I can fall back on, that they're going to get protein, they're going to get carbs, or you know what I mean? Like I know that I'll be able to, to satisfy their, their nutritional needs as well as I know that they're going to eat it. If I'm trying to introduce foods um, in the best of times, you know, I can I can get a lot of pushback from the kids, which is frustrating. But imagine me being in a stressful situation where we've, we've had to bug out. The kids won't eat anything. I'm throwing away a bunch of food because they're not eating it. Um, so that's just not ideal, right? So I think it really comes down to understanding what your kids will eat, things that are go-to as far as snacks and meals and things that you know that they're going to consume without too much pushback. And you know what? Even if it's not the healthiest, at least it's it's calories. At least mm-hmm. you're getting something into them, right? Um, and then a couple other points like hygiene. I mean, they, they, kids have different hygiene requirements than adults do. I mean, they have, you know, I mean, soap is soap, but I mean, if you can bring on bring kids soap that, you know, it gets in their eyes and they won't cry, that's, that's a huge bonus for you to have because that's one less thing that you have to deal with, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's nice to consolidate have you know one type of shampoo or one type of soap um, but just have to think about that and then especially if you have kids in diapers you know make sure you have enough diapers if not it's going to be a really <laughs> going to be a really long trip right um, and then other things like and and entertainment so it was already mentioned here, but think about things like coloring books, um, you know, board games. Um, um, you know, if they have a tablet, bring bring your tablet. I mean, they may not have access to Wi-Fi, but if you have content that you can access on a hard drive or something, that's something that they can do. Um, and then let them pack their own suitcase. I mean, you know, we have these little cute little suitcases that we use when we go on vacation. You know, if we had to bug out, um, if you need a couple minutes to do stuff, get them to have that responsibility to pack their own suitcase with things that they're going to want to bring because kids change their minds minute to minute. And, you know, what they what they may want to bring three months from now on a trip is going to be different than five minutes before you leave for the trip. So give them that opportunity to have that responsibility to pack things that they want 
before you're going. Um, and it's, it, trust me, it's not going to be anything that you thought of. It's going to be really random stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they're happy with it, that's, that's great. Right. So just, just trying to cater to their needs. And to me, it's important because, um, if they're busy and occupied, it gives me an opportunity to get stuff done without them being at me all the time. Mm-hmm. And I know that, you know, I, chances are my spouse is going to be there and, you know, I can rely on her, but at the same time, I don't want the responsibility of the children to fall hundred percent on her shoulders. She's going to need a break as well. She's going to be stressed out. Um, so anything that I can do to help the kids stay busy, it's going to be a huge help for all of us. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Daniel in the live chat here is a good point. Uh, as far as food goes, mac and cheese keeps at least two years. Mountain House, 30. Nice. What kid doesn't like mac and cheese, right? Yep. Yeah. A little fruit snack, maybe. And, until you have to bug out and then they're going to hate it. But, you know. Well, same thing with campfires, though. Like, maybe a kid that doesn't like poking around with a campfire with a little yeah. poking stick or whatever, right? And, and you know, playing with the knives, of course. But both of those are going to lead to first aid requirements. <laughs> and that's on my list is teaching them uh, some first aid skills. You know, and some things too, like, you know, when, when I'm doing like my long-term pantry, I mean, there's, you know, there's the mountain house stuff, which is 30 years, but a lot of stuff they buy in the grocery stores probably has a two or three year expiration for at least shelf stable items like pastas and rice milk and stuff. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I pick up bags of Oreos and I mean, they're only good for six months out, put them in the long-term pantry. And then when you buy some for the household, just rotate the stock so that if you did have to, to buck out, you do have a couple bags of Oreos. It's not going to sustain you for weeks or months, but you know, you can, hold it as like a treat for the kids. I mean, yeah. and this is something that they don't need it, but they're going to want it. And yep. if you satisfy well, that requirement, yeah. So, yeah, it's at least enough to get you through an emergency situation. Like you said, it's kind of a comfort food, almost like a treat. So, right. Exactly. And, and sometimes that's just what they need. Right. So, I mean, if they're upset, mm-hmm. you know, we all know the value of an Oreo or some goldfish and yeah. <laughs> sometimes all, I mean, all I'm 26 eat, right? and I still get that way. So, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, and, and touching on the first date again, um, it's certainly on my list is, you know, get them introduced to that as soon as you can and make it something just as basic as here's how to apply a Band-Aid. You know, you get a little boo-boo, here's how to put it on and here's how to put it on someone else and then slowly kind of start building on that skill. But at least it's something that they're learning and they'll get more comfortable as you go along and then you can start moving into like first aid courses and some more advanced stuff as they get older, of course. But why not expose them to, you know, Here's a simple way to put a Band-Aid on and then just move from there. Um, and it, it makes them feel like part of the team, right? And, and it gives them a job or gives them something that they know how to do and just makes them feel important. And, you know, I, I help fix the boo-boo, right? Yep. Uh, and what else do I have here? Um, you know what? Just because I'm, I'm a radio geek, radios. What kids don't like goofing around with radios, right? So if you can get uh, even just like a, a cheap like family band radio from like Canadian Tire or Cabela's or wherever you grab them from and just throw them the radio and go play hide and seek with them or go play like radio with them. Or, you know, if you've got a couple of kids, send them off with the radios together and let them chat with each other and, they'll, you know, teach them how to use the radio first off. And it's a fun game. Again, it's all about making it fun. But um, uh, I've seen tons and tons of kids that just like playing with radios for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played with them when I was a kid, too. Uh, well, I'm just a big kid now. I still play with them, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> some things too that I'm, I'm that I, that I thought about a while ago is is you know if we do have to bug out, it's probably going to be like we're going to be in a camping situation. Obviously, we recently bought the travel trailer, so you know that ideally would be what we'd be bugging out in, um, and you know what that would be kind of like our home away from home. And what I've done is gone to places like the dollar store, the Dollarama, whatever you want to call it, um, and they have things like you know a ten pack of glow sticks for like a dollar, right? They're not 
they're not by any means going to light anything up, but the kids love them. They come in different colors. Um, the little packets of uh, powder you can throw in a fire to make it different colors. Again, these are very low-cost things that you can do to keep them entertained and to keep them, you know, this is a reward for them at the end of the day, right? Um, and it's it's all about being able to reward them for things that they do. Just like Eric Man mentioned, you know, making them part of the team, um, getting them to, you know, help help with little tasks and all that kind of stuff, and then have that reward, have that carrot at the end that they can earn, right? Um, and you know you can spend fifty dollars and get you know a hundred items at the dollar store that can that can help with these things and help be these rewards that they can work towards, right? Um, and at least for me, like my daughter, my oldest one is six. So if my youngest daughter who's two gets upset, you know she's she's the one that wants to go to her and help comfort her. So that's great because that's one less thing we have to do, and they kind of work well together as far as that goes, right? So that's just another one of these tasks just to help comfort the siblings and so on. So. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, to bring it back home, um, if you're cooking, for example, if you're making, let's say, a loaf of bread, include them in that. Let them make their own. You know, you make the big loaf of bread for, for the family and then let them make a small little one. Put all the ingredients together. Show them how to mix it up in a bowl. Put it in the oven with your bigger loaf and let them see that they can make a small loaf of bread. And again, they can see that they, they are gaining a skill and, and knowledge on how to do that. And I'm sure they'll be tickled pink when their little loaf of bread comes out and they're able to eat it. Right? And then you've got a larger one as well for the family and they've learned a new skill and it, it's a fun thing to do. And then uh, they can, again, build on that as, as time passes and they get older, they're able to, to help out with more meal prepared or prepping and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But at least they, uh, they're learning a, a skill as far as baking and making bread, or it could be anything. It doesn't have to be bread. That's just the example I threw in here. You can make, you know, you're making a pizza for the family and they can make a smaller one. You know, it could be anything you want to throw in there. Well, you're setting them up for success when they have to start adulting, you know, like <laughs> if they don't, it's amazing how many kids don't have basic cooking skills when they leave the house. Right. Yeah. And, you know, they travel by fire when they're out living on their own, but it's much, much better if they have pre-training. Um, actually commentary to all your stuff there to Eric, actually it, it's worked out well uh, in a time when nobody's hiring. Uh, yeah. My daughter went out, was looking for jobs because she got laid off from her last job because COVID killed the business. Yeah. And uh, yeah, she got a job interview from Cabela's because she's been camping been outdoors, knows how to handle firearms, knives, and has taken a first aid course. And they're like, and what do you do about cooking? And she's like, well, I made my own bread and everything else. They're like, oh, so oh, yeah, she got the interview. And uh, so we'll see what happens the next few days. But it was like, it was nice to see because it actually paid off for the real world. Some life skills. Yeah. Yeah. Basic life skills, problem solving <clears throat> skills go a long ways in the day-to-day life. And, uh, you don't really get a lot of that in school. So don't don't rely on an iPad in public schools to teach your kids these things because they're not going to. No, they'll just be on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully watching this, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, BT in the uh, the live chat has uh, a question as far as <laughs> Ian is still alive. Has he eaten the kids cooking? Well, as a matter of fact, not even a couple weeks ago, my oldest made me steamed pork buns, like the Chinese-style pork buns. Oh. Uh, fantastic, as well as some uh, onion pancakes, uh, like the Chinese-style onion pancakes. And, uh, yeah, that's been fantastic. So now it's just like, you know, anybody that makes a, a meal for you, the food always tastes great. You know, you don't have to So it's, it's awfully nice when you can show up in the kitchen that the dinner's already made for both of us. So I'll gladly do the dishes afterwards. And, you know, it's been fantastic. Mm-hmm. One thing, too, um, I was thinking is, um, obviously, I mentioned that, you know, 
when you're getting ready to bug out, get to get get the kids to grab their suitcase and their backpack and pack all that kind of stuff. But have something ready to go anyway, because if you have to bug out and you've only got five minutes, you're not going to have time. And uh, you know, I say this uh, like like it's not not going to happen, but it recently happened to us when we had to evacuate for the forest fire. So we only had five minutes, so then we don't have an opportunity to get kids to give kids that five minutes to go get their stuff because it takes them five minutes to put their shoes on. So you know, at that point, you just put them in a vehicle and go. And that's why each one of the kids has like a big Ziploc bag that we've put, you know, some dinky cars for my son, some dolls for my daughter, just something that they can have um, that they don't use a lot of. So they're not really going to miss it if you take it away and put in like a Ziploc bag and store it away. Um, so just just have that because you may not have an opportunity to get them to pack their own toys. So just just have something that they can play with. Right. Um, and if you don't and it's something you have an opportunity to pick up toys on the way. Great. I mean, it's just going to be something that they're familiar with that they can help pass the time. Right. It's it's really I keep falling back on that but really it's you know when you're trying to get stuff done having kids at you is is really not ideal so being able to occupy their minds is 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 huge is um is one thing that i keep struggling with is how am i going to keep these kids keep these kids occupied if i'm away for an extended period of time and they don't have their tv or their tablets and all that kind of stuff yep that's a good point Uh, another thing i came up with uh, on my list here is you know one evening if you're you want to go through the pantry, pick out a bunch of stuff in the pantry, and then try to put a meal together um, with your kid uh, out of the stuff that's in the pantry. And then, you know, it's, it's make it a fun game. Grab everything out. Okay, here's what we have. What can we make? And it kind of gets their mind going, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe have an idea ahead of time, and then you, you can kind of kind of push them towards what you actually want to make. <laughs> but, uh, you know, again, make a game out of it, and here's everything in the pantry. All right, what are we making tonight? Get some thinking. It's uh, you know, what do we have available to us? What can we use? How can we cook it? And mm-hmm. again, all dependent on their age, right? But <clears throat> that was a good idea. Yeah. I guess while we're on the topic of kind of skills and things, I just wanted to say that I think everybody in the house, I guess maybe Hughes or somebody else could speak to at what age they should know this, but everyone should kind of know how to turn off the water main and how to turn off the breaker panel. If you've got sparks flying out of an outlet or there's water pouring out of a sink and you're 45 minutes away at work you want to make sure that, that your son or daughter or maybe even wife, whatever it might be, knows how to shut the water off and turn the breaker off because that's going to that's gonna solve a lot of problems and, and save a lot of headaches down the road. That's a great point. That's actually really good because I don't even think my wife knows how to do that. So <laughs> <laughs> It's not funny. But it's no, it's, it's, uh, it's funny because like right now we don't have a water main. We just have a, uh, a pump house on a separate uh, electrical transformer. So yeah, for us, it'd be, a, you'd actually have to run down to the pump post and shut off the power there. But um, yep. yeah, no, I mean, it is a very, very good point. Like we have no gas uh, here mm-hmm. at all either. So it's hard to do some shit off something that doesn't exist, but yeah, the last house I probably should have done that, but they were too young. So, yep. That's the same for me. I mean, we don't, we're not on city water. So, you know, once you shut off the main, you're shutting off the well pump. Um, so I, I think I could talk her through it, but you know, it's mm-hmm. the ideal if she knew how to do it. So, yeah. Yeah, we're kind of in the same uh, the same setup with all the well and everything, but there's the extra step. If you cut the main off here, ten seconds later the backup generator comes on. Oh, wow, you nice. to turn that off too, right? So right, or else yeah, you're not alleviating yeah. the power issue. <laughs> well, for ten seconds, yeah, <laughs> and then it comes back. So um, VT in the show notes had a um, 
had a good comment here. It says uh, also building a bug out bag um, for your your dogs or your cats and dogs. Um, I, I know you know dogs and cats are not kids in my opinion, but for some people that's their fur babies and they're going to mm-hmm. be something that they take along with them. Um, obviously, I'm going to think about my kids before I think about our cat. But um, that's also a good point because you may or may not be able to pick up food along the way. Now, you know, if I didn't have any food for our cat, um, she she can eat table scraps to be honest if she's hungry enough. But you know, mm-hmm. I, I, being able to have something that you know the animal can drink or eat out of a bowl, right? Um, having food for them. I mean, like, 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 obviously, if, even if it's just a bag or two, like something to keep them over for a few days. And then realistically, I mean, you know, you could feed them what you're eating. And if they're not hungry, that's fine. But they're eventually going to be hungry enough that, that they're going to eat that stuff, right? So, yeah. oh, yeah, that's a good point, though. Uh, as far as go bags go, maybe we'll talk about uh, some of the things that we would all put in our, our go bags for the, uh, for the kiddos. And again, it's all, all dependent on their age, but. Um, for myself, I'd figure you're, you're going to want anything that you'd have for an adult, but the child version, right? So if you're going to carry like fever medicine, electrolytes, like Benadryl, all that kind of stuff for, for you and whoever else uh, you're making a bug out bag for, you're going to want the, the child version of that for, for your kiddos, right? Um, EpiPens, same thing. Um, if you want, you need it for an adult, you might need it for uh, for a kid. Just make sure you've got extra in the, in the bug out bag. Um, and they are color coded as well for the EpiPens for adult and kid. Yep. So just make sure that you've uh, you've got the appropriate ones for your your setup. Um, and we've we've touched on it already, but like hard candies of some form for a morale booster, or like the Oreo cookies, or or something that's gonna gonna help with that uh, reward and with that morale boost. If uh, if you are actually bugging out, uh, we've touched on games as well, whether they be board games or you know write down a list of games you guys can play together. Because uh, in a stressful situation, you might forget about some of this stuff, right? So write down a list now. And then you've got the list already pre-built. So you can go, oh, yeah, okay, so they really like playing this game. Let's do this or let's play that. Uh, and, a, and a couple of board games, if you can fit them in the bug out bag, why not? Entertainment for you, the kiddos, and anybody else that's with you. Um, and we've touched on diapers as well. Um, depending on your situation, cloth is probably going to be your best way to go because it's reusable. You can wash it. You can use it multiple times. Uh, but if all you've got is disposable, well, that's all you've got. Yeah, just on quick on the topic of cloth diapers, I've got kind of a, Nice little tip uh, actually came from my brother-in-law, but you know, like the toilet shut off right behind your toilet, it, you can just go ahead and put a T on there and then you can plumb a little hose with a, like a sprayer handle off of that. Um, and then you can still, you know, shut off the hose or the toilet and you can use that sprayer to just kind of blast your cloth diapers off into the toilet or you've got a bidet if we uh, run out of toilet paper. So it's a good point. I've seen a lot of those on Amazon. They seem to be, uh, they seem to be pushing those on people now. Since yeah. Yeah. It was something I never thought of. And, and my wife kind of told me about it and I was like, oh, genius, you know, it's so simple too. I mean, a couple dollars at the plumbing store and, and you're in business. So yeah. that's a good that's point. point. I've got a good comment here from Blake and Tia in the live chat. Uh, just talking about, they've got uh, three kids, six, five, and three. Uh, took the six year old daughter to an overnight uh, gel soft event. So it's Australia's version of airsoft apparently. And uh, they noticed that she started to understand how to plan ahead, uh, traveling light, uh, but still have enough on you, being ready for anything unexpected, uh, how to light a butane, a butane cooker, uh, how to position yourself uh, to shoot the other team, uh, and be in cover, and most importantly, how to make coffee. Coffee is very important. Yeah. And, of course, the lesson that somebody shooting back at you does hurt. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. 
I think too, um, other than, you know, physical things that we would do for, uh, bugging out with kids, I think it's, it's kind of a mental game as well, right? So thinking about, um, you know, under a stressful situation, you know, people don't tend to eat regular meals like they should. And that's especially true for children, I think. So, you know, I can get frustrated when the kids don't eat three square meals a day because I find that as though I'm wasting food and they're just eating junk or snacks. But at the same time, I have to understand that if I'm stressed out, they're stressed out. If they see me being stressed out, they're going to stress out and it's going to lead to, you know, them probably not eating the regular meals that they should. So I think us as parents, um, when bugging out with children, have to adjust our expectations of what and how our children are going to behave. You know, having a set bedtime at eight o'clock is probably not going to happen. You can try to, you know, children to me, this is just my opinion, I'm not telling anybody how to parent, but they need routine and structure and, and all that kind of stuff, right? So trying to find that balance um, as quickly as possible after an event that causes you to bog out, I think is, is kind of important. So not letting them go to bed at like 11 o'clock or midnight every night, but trying to rein that back in, try to find some balance again, but understand that things are going to be different. They're going to be stressed out. And because of that, you kind of have to adjust your expectations a little bit, right? It's the same thing. I mean, if you have structure and routine at home and you travel for a week, I mean, that's all out the window. Kids are going to bed later. They're not eating as they should and all that kind of stuff. Same thing, but add a lot of stressors to it because there's there's a lot of unknowns, right? So um, it's not just about what, what you're going to pack, but how you're going to act as well. Oh, yeah. They pick up on absolutely everything, even if you're not showing or you don't think you're showing uh, stress or, or any kind of signs, they're still going to pick up on the fact that you're stressed. They're still going to pick up on the fact that everything's different or things have changed or something's just not quite right. Yeah. And it's going to take some time for them to adjust to it, just like it's going to take you some time to adjust to it. Yeah. And I find my, my daughter who's six, I mean, you know, she'll be reading something, but she'll listen to a conversation my wife and I are, are, are having. And a couple hours later, you know, after her gears have been turning for a few hours, then she'll ask some pretty pointed questions for a six-year-old, right? So it's, it's you have to understand that even though they're, they're six, they're, they're listening, they're picking up on stuff. Um, and having those conversations sometimes means that maybe it's better to have them away from the children because then that's going to cause them stress and anxiety. And if you don't think six-year-olds are capable of having anxiety, guess what? They, they can. And they pick up on the parents' anxiety as well. So Well, they're little. They're not stupid. Right. <laughs> like, they're just, they're just smaller versions of you. Right. So, I mean, yeah, yeah no, absolutely. they pick up on it and, and yeah, like you said, the wheels sometimes turn for days and then all of a sudden they'll ask you some questions about something that you talked about, what you thought was privately, but all of the conversation with the wife in the kitchen and all of a sudden, you know, in the mid conversation, one of the kids will pipe up from one of their bedrooms <laughs> and other two cents. So yeah, they're always listening. That's well, and I think, I think the other day, I mean, this was like a while ago, but I, I killed, I, killed the bee. I thought it was a wasp, but I killed the bee. And then I said something about it. And then a couple of days later, my daughter who's six says, Hey daddy, if I were a bee, would you kill me? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And she says, well, the other day you killed the bee. And I'm like, Oh my God, like this, you know what I mean? But it's those, it's those types of things that you have to come to expect and think about a, a stressful situation where things are not the norm, you mm-hmm. know, they're out of their routine and you're showing anxiety and stress, which as much as I say I wouldn't, I probably would. And to, I think it was Eric or Ian's point, um, I may not think I'm showing those stressors, but chances are somebody who knows me is going to be able to pick up on those pretty quickly, right? So. Yeah, everybody's got their tell. Like even if you're just you're, you're just short and snappy with them, they'll pick up on. They'll, they'll assume it's them. And if you don't explain to them that it's not them that's making you snappy, it's 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 a thing too, right? Yep. So. so this is all the things I have to look forward to when my little guy starts talking. 
Well, and I mean, don't you get me started on like talking about the what ifs, right? Because like, obviously, yeah. my kids are not oblivious to what I do on the podcast here or anything else, and they'll ask me all sorts of what ifs, like what happens after November third if if Party X wins or Party Z wins. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, we could talk about what ifs, or we could talk about like the you know the budget. What happens if the budget goes out of hand in Canada, and like what's going to happen to the Canadian dollar and and yeah, it, it, there's all sorts of things that they want to talk about, but sometimes they're a little afraid to. But you know, sometimes just asking them what's on their mind, it's uh, it can actually, like you say, stress inoculator at least get them uh, thinking about it ahead of time, so that when the some does come up, mm-hmm. it's not all at once. At least that they've had time to to chew on it, right? Yeah, yeah, that's such a good point. Uh, VT in the uh, the live chat here has a good point. Um, on the electrical panel uh, has a number of breakers to set off, and what's on the breakers all typed out. Uh, so all you got to do is look at the sheet and you know what to hit and what to turn on and what to turn off if, uh, if need be. So great idea. Awesome. Yeah. I actually made a, um, <clears throat> like a list, like a set, like, sorry, step-by-step instructions that I went as far as laminating as well in case anything happened to it. But it's not, it's not only for my wife, but it's, it's, you know, if I have to leave the house and the house is running on generator power, if my neighbor had to come over, um, you know, I, although I think he could probably figure it out, um, I would rather the steps be followed in that order. So nobody gets electrocuted or nobody, you know, nothing mm-hmm. gets fried, but, um, you know, having those things is, is, you know, we, we typically have it as tribal knowledge within our minds of what has to be done and when, uh, but if you're not available or you're incapacitated somehow these things still have to get done right mm-hmm. so putting that tribal knowledge in like a information repository whether you print it out or have it in a folder or something like that's quite quite important yeah yeah that's great like having a clear concise emergency plan for for whatever disaster scenario is kind of common for your area you know around here we have tornadoes power outages blizzards things like that kind of having those listed out clear, concise, easy to follow for the kids. They got a sheet there in their backpack, one at home, one in the locker, whatever it might be. Um, good thing to have on there too is like uh, names of emergency contacts, phone numbers, things like that. Um, those are all good things to kind of teach your kids too. I think there's someone else on the podcast that uh, lives and dies by checklists. Hey, Ian? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe one or two now and then, yeah. I don't think Ian could go to the bathroom without a checklist. So. <laughs> Pretty much, no. Yeah, I'm the same way. So. <laughs> but you know what? I mean, I've I joke, but I mean, I've I've come to I've come to be that person that relies on checklists um, so heavily because I find that there's n- there's nothing that requires five steps. It's always 15, 20, 30 steps, and you forget one step or you do it out of order, um, and things can be disastrous, right? So, mm-hmm. um, and I, I find that, you know, even when I'm calm, cool, and level-headed, I've got all the time in the world, I'll forget a step. And imagine if you're under a stressful situation, I'll forget 10 steps, right? So, mm-hmm. Well, you can basically, end up, if you're under, you know, some pretty heavy duress, you're going to get tunnel vision. And unless you actually have a, a checklist or something, like some set of instructions or whatever to look right at, guarantee you're going to forget something. You'll remember it five minutes after you're supposed to, but, you know. Yeah. I forget something when I leave the house just to run to the store on a good day. <laughs> Imagine under stress. Yeah, there's there's going to be a few things but I don't have that list to go over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Doran in the live chat's got a good point. Uh, hangry kids are terrifying. The only thing scarier than hangry kids is hangry wives. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, one less thing to worry about. If you prep ahead of time and have the their favorite snacks or their favorite distraction snacks yep. on hand, it's like, yeah, one less thing to worry about and you can yeah. focus on the task at hand. Yep. I have it on the, the bug out list of things to do because obviously I've got my bins and all that kind of stuff. So if I had to bug out, I think we spoke about it before, if I had like 15 minutes or 30 minutes or an hour, these are the things I would bring. And one of the things that's on each and every single um, 
amount of time, I guess, is we have kind of like a, a cold pantry where I have a bunch of snacks from Costco, like, you know, 30 packs of cookies and all that kind of stuff. That's coming with me regardless of, you know, because this is, this is very calorie-dense food. Not healthy, but calorie-dense. Um, and they're snacks. So even if I, get, if I can't get three square meals in a day, if I have enough of this, I have enough calories. Um, and to that point, there are things that the kids and the wife, to that extent, want. And, you know, it's going to keep them happy, which is going to keep me happy. So that's, that's a great point. Yeah. And we've got another, uh, another comment here in the live chat from uh, Woodpedal. It says, with two parents on site, tag team, tag team, tag team with the kiddos for your sanity. And even, even if you've got, like, it's you and a friend or you and another family member. Absolutely. Why not uh, tag team and, and work together? That's what the, the whole preparedness thing is all about, right? Yeah. And if you're in a, like a mutual aid group or, you know, you're teaming up with like another family, um, you know, being able to give the two other parents even an hour off to themselves while you watch their kids. And then obviously they're going to hopefully be able to, to do that for with your kids as well. Right. So mm-hmm. um, that's, that's huge. And, and being able to, like, like I said earlier, like, you know, I expect that my wife would be, or my spouse would be with me to help me with the kids, but sometimes I need to take the kids and give her an hour, mm-hmm. even if it's to read a book. I mean, you know, there's things that are going to have to be done before this, we can do this, but, um, you know, when things kind of quiet down or slow, slow down, give her that hour to do whatever she wants to do, yep. whether she wants to check her phone or read a book or just sit in the car and peace and quiet, yep. give your spouse that opportunity because they're going to be under stress as well. So, yeah, definitely. And just touching quickly on like, uh, kind of mentioned the mutual assistance group having, uh, I guess if you're expecting kids, maybe some sort of midwife or a pediatrician or doctor, um, you know, friend, family, neighbor, something like that. Somebody you can call if there's an emergency. Let's say there's a blizzard and you can't get to the hospital and you're in labor or something like that. Or even, you know, okay, the kid's got some weird rash. You don't really want to spend the money rushing to the to the to the doctor, the pediatrician. You know, you've got the neighbor up the street. Hey, can you look at my at, at my kid's finger? Or reset it or whatever it might be. And uh, you know, maybe you're a plumber, electrician. You can barter some some work or some skills or or something in that direction. But it's all about knowing the uh, the community around you and who can help with what, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, Ian, did you have a, a bit of a story? Yeah, matter of fact, I did. Uh, so, yeah, actually kind of funny. Uh, you guys pretty much covered everything I wanted to talk about for the most part. But uh, I guess in, until you have kids, it's it's kind of a it, – it is a bit of a life changer. I know it's a bit of a cliche, but, I mean, it's, it's hard to actually relate to people who don't have kids how different your life can be. But funnily enough, when I first moved to B.C., I was uh, talking to a couple of coworkers about taking the kids camping to, you know, teach them how to do some basic stuff. And the one guy says to me, he's like, Hey, yeah, Hey, I got, I know a great place you can camp. Uh, you just have to hike 15 miles into the woods and uh, you know, it's walking only and you have to carry everything you need. And yeah, you should have a great time with the kids. I'm like, you know, they're like six and eight. Right. Like, <laughs> and, and he couldn't, I, I, I was trying to convince them that like, no, they can't carry 60 pounds a gear and all their own food and, and maybe a couple of propane bottles for me and everything else. While I carry absolutely everything else in um, to do this camp and trip. I said like, I have to actually be able to drive there or like, you know, maybe a short walk or whatever. And then, and just, the, it was like a dog watching television. It was kind of funny. Like they just couldn't quite pick up on what I was getting at because yeah, it's a whole different scenario when you have to start involving kids because they can't, you know, carry their fair share. They can't, they don't understand why they're carrying their fair share sometimes under stress. And um, so it's it's like arguing with per- person on the other side of the political spectrum. Sometimes you just don't get it, right? No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's funny but, because, sorry, finish, finish, finish up. No, no, go ahead. That's all good. No, I was just going to say like, I, you know, I, I understand that I own 
a travel trailer, but I'm into minimalism camping as well. And somebody wouldn't think that that's these two things kind of go together. But at the same time, it's like I can't go camping with a backpack for an entire week, five miles into the woods with, with my kids. It's just not going to happen. I don't. I don't have. I can't carry enough. And you know, like like you know, it's not. It's not that two hours into a hike they're going to start complaining. Three minutes into a hike they're going to start complaining. So these are just not things. I mean, fifty miles in is just it's earth shattering, right? Like for a kid, that would just be. Like yeah. that's the other side of the earth, right? Like that's well. If you want to have aversion therapy, that's a, that's a great way to do it, right? It's uh, instead of just going to a campsite and practicing fun stuff like fire starting, you're going to make them do like a, a death march into a campsite. <laughs> yeah. They're not going to come again, quite simply. No. Honestly, so. from from a you know for my six year old, I think that maybe fifteen to twenty minute hike would be the absolute max, right? And the other thing too is that if something happens and I'm 15 miles into the woods, and I've got to hike out 15 miles, I mean, if I'm injured, that's that's one thing. I'll, I'll have to deal with that, right? But if my kid's injured, I mean, you know, to carry a kid 15 miles, or if you have two kids with, with you, that becomes a pretty daunting thing. And, and the thing is, is, you know, even if you can carry them out, what if they're injured to the point where you need help immediately? 15 miles into the woods, being a first responder, I understand that that's probably a two or three hour response by the time minimum. you get them. Yeah, minimum. minimum. Right, um, and it does doesn't matter if you have a satellite communicator. By the time they get people out to you, you're talking hours. You're not talking minutes, hours. So the further you are away, the further you are from help. And I don't want to be that far with children. Right? No. I mean, with an adult, different story, obviously. But children, no. Yeah, I, I don't want to be no more than like a 15 minute walk to my truck. So. Yeah. And talking camping, I'll just touch on one other thing I had on my my list here is if you are going to start doing that outdoors kind of adventure stuff with them, teach them about, you know, if you're lost, you know, find a tree to hug, find somewhere to stay put that's safe, you know, because that's going to make it easier to, to be found. Um, so start instilling that in them as well as you're kind of venturing out into the more wilderness type of environments with them, um, because chances are that they, they can potentially get lost. And if they do, you want to be able to find them pretty quick, right? That's really yeah. what Eric and I, that's I, I think under the what ifs, right? Like, I mean, why, why do we have a whistle? Well, this is why, because if you get separated or whatever and stay put, don't keep moving around. And like you said, hug a tree. I mean, there's plenty of tree huggers out here, but of a different sort, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I mean, it's, there's very, there's a lot of validity to that, right? Cause I mean, the more you move around, the more randomness you're throwing into a search pattern as I'm yeah. sure Hughes can attest, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've, I've relayed that to my daughter. I remember um, we were doing geocaching, which is, I find a great way to get her, you know, get, get the kids out, get the kids into the woods and all kind of stuff. And I said, you know, if you're lost in the woods and you come upon a trail or a road, don't cross that road follow it one mm-hmm. way or the other it's either going to be a dead end or you're going to get to a bigger road and a big road and eventually you're going to get to a highway of some sort right like you're, you're just follow the road because if anything people and searchers are going to be on atvs and trucks and all that kind of stuff and i mean we here um with the search and rescue group that we have we're about 50 people but about 20 of us are on this mechanized response team which is basically just atvs they only call us out when they need atv response and obviously people walking through through the woods are what doing one two miles an hour when you're trudging through through the woods on atvs we're doing 50 60 miles an hour Right, and we're just going along all the forestry access roads and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, if you're a hunter or anybody, like even a kid, I mean, if you instill that in them, when they if they find the road, follow it. Right, don't go back into the woods. So, yeah, be as visible as you possibly can be. Yep. And I mean, if there's a helicopter overhead, the likelihood of them finding you through dense brush, probably not that great. If you're on a road, that's awesome. You're gonna stand out pretty good. You're gonna stand out. Yep. Yep. 
Yeah, I think that covers off most of the talking points, unless anyone on the panel has anything else to Uh, add. Yeah, I've got a few things just on like maybe things to stock up on or kind of have on the shelf. Sure. Um, Depending on where you're at in, in, uh, I guess, in the process of having kids, maybe have some contraceptives, condoms, or pregnancy tests, uh, depending on what your desired outcome is. Um, those are things that don't really expire, uh, cheap, easy to buy, and just kind of throw them in the closet. Yeah, one means you don't have to listen to this episode. The other one means you do. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Pick your poison, I guess, right? Yep. Um, Famous last words, only sailors use condoms. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Uh, another thing, uh, prenatals or multivitamins. So I guess if you're, you know, developing yep. a child, if you're, uh, if you're the wife or whatever, um, yep. something good to have. Also, uh, maybe some dried milk replacer formula or freeze dried foods to supplement. You know, not everybody is able to breastfeed their child and, and God forbid you can't get food or something like that from the store. At least you've got, you know, a bag of milk replacer on the shelf or, or maybe you're, you yourself, you have to go on antibiotics or some sort of medicine that you're not able to, you know, to feed your own child for a while. Um, obviously, you've got something to kind of fall back on uh, in terms of food. Wife even, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, homemade baby food. I mean, it, applesauce, if you've got like canned peas and carrots, it's basically just blended up blended up stuff. Um, so pretty easy to make your own baby food. Yep. Um, have plenty of books, learning materials at home, uh, as well as clothes, lots of clothes. Um, both, you know, have clothes like change the clothes packed for trips and also have lots of clothes and shoes for the kids to grow into. You know, that's why hand-me-downs are so important, so popular, especially back in the olden days. Um, kids are going to grow out of their clothes like constantly, like every six months, shoes, everything like that, they're going to grow out of them. So um, oh, yeah. having things for your kids to grow into, yeah, you might have a, a closet stock for your kid right now, but, you know, SHTF and, and you're a year down the road and your kid's grown out of the shoes, out of all of his jackets, snow pants, all that stuff. What do you do? Um, Speaking of hand-me-downs, we found a really good resource for that has been Facebook Marketplace and Kijiji. Tons of people all around. You know, their, their kids have worn it three, four times, grown up. And now the garage sales are awesome too. I mean, you can go there with like forty dollars, and you could stock up for three years for your kids. You know, garage sales are a good cheap place to get clothes too. too yeah, we uh, find that. Um, sorry, you go ahead there. I talked to other. Go ahead. I was going to say, when packing for camping, we found that a bit of a hack is, um, you know, is is placing an outfit into a large Ziploc bag for every day that you're going away. So, you know, if we're going away for five days, each kid has basically five Ziploc bags. Each one of those is one outfit for the day. And then you obviously have extra clothes for incidentals if they get wet or dirty and all that kind of stuff. But it just gives them the opportunity to know what they're going to wear every day. Mm-hmm. Um, may not have an opportunity to do this in a bug out situation. I mean, you just grab all the clothes you can, but maybe once you get kind of settled in, it's part of their routine, you kind of fall back into that, right? So that they're not wearing three outfits a day. You're saying this is Monday's outfit and that's it. Cause yep. give my daughter the opportunity. She'll change into six outfits in one day. So <laughs> it's not funny. Yep. <laughs> um, speaking of daughters, I guess the last thing I had there was uh, depending on their age, have some feminine hygiene products, you know, tampons, pads, might all that sort of thing. Um, I guess I'm not sure uh, as far as consumption goes, how much you go through and how much you need to have stocked up, but that's oh. uh, something to talk with the wife about, I guess. Yeah, it's pretty much always on their person at any given time to begin with. And then yeah. uh, obviously it's a natural progression from there. They learn their lessons either the easy way or the hard way, and you know, what works yeah. and what doesn't. So mm-hmm. um, that's a self-correcting problem. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's a good po- uh, point on the, the homemade baby food. You can take carrots or beans or lentils or whatever you would have for, for yourself to consume. You mm-hmm. can mash it up and turn it into into baby food that, uh, that your little yeah. one can eat, depending on their age, of course. But mm-hmm. Point. 
that I'm sure not many people would think of. So right. two birds, one stone, right? You can feed Absolutely. you and you one and everything's good. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, should we move into the podcast challenge? All right. So uh, talk to your kids about the subject of preparedness. Uh, ask if there's anything that concerns them and address it. So it might either be an item that you're missing in your preps. And maybe they're just seeing it and you're not. Or maybe it's just a concern they have as far as, uh, you know, under the what ifs. But uh, I think the more you talk to them, the better off they are. So just uh, have a little chat with them if you can. Yeah, no harm in that. And TACCOM Canada 2020 has been delayed until April 23rd to 25th, 2021. You can see the details for the show at the ticket link in the show notes. There's also a link on uh, our website, prepperpodcast.ca. Let's move into some shout outs. Okay, I got a shout out to uh, Colin for the meetup in Ottawa. That was awesome. Um, also, congratulations to Better Ian. He made a choice on his biological security device, uh, which was fantastic. So, got to meet his new puppy dog today. It was fantastic. Um, nice. Yeah, just a quick shout out to my good buddy Lucas. Uh, gave us a bunch of ground venison. So, it's going to hopefully tie us over until we get our pigs processed here in about eight weeks. Nice. Nothing like some venison. No, that's awesome. Unless you go back and listen to our, our hunting episodes quite a while ago. <laughs> the unsuccessful hunting episode? Yeah, hey, we tried. Yeah. All right, email and iTunes reviews. So we've got a couple of new uh, iTunes reviews since the uh, last episode. So we've got one uh, is you guys are great, and we enjoy listening. Uh, we're having our share of gun control issues in Virginia, and nice to see uh, your take on the same thing in Canada. So yeah, there's there's been a few things go on with firearms here in the last little while, but mm-hmm. it's, it's not about guns, it's about control. Yeah. And then uh, we've got another one here that says, uh, from communist Sweden, I send my best wishes. So we're making it all over the world. Wow, that's pretty cool. That's, awesome. that's neat. So I uh, appreciate the comments and uh thanks for sending them in. And both of those were five stars, so those uh Obviously, help boost the uh, boost the show and let other people find us. So much appreciated. And uh, with that, I will bring episode number seventy-seven of the Canadian Prepper Podcast to an end. Uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or of course your favorite podcast app. Uh, please help us out and submit a review, like the five stars we got there. It uh, it helps other people find us. Yeah, we record these shows live on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, if you want an early peek at the shows, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, Canadian Prepper Podcast, and click on the notifications tabs. Uh, this will give you alerts when we go live. And if you got any questions or advice for me, you can email into the show at tyler at prepperpodcast.ca. And I can be reached at hfxprepper at gmail.com. And I also have my own YouTube channel. Just search for hfxprepper. Uh, you can also reach me at hughes at prepperpodcast.ca. H-U-G-U-E-S. Sorry. I'm looking forward to the uh, the latest video on your trailer upgrades. Mm. <laughs> I know. I'm that was a hint. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, you can reach Ian directly by emailing me at the island retreat at gmail.com. You can also find me on Canadian Patriot Podcast, which is on iTunes and YouTube. We record on Monday evenings at 9 p.m. Eastern. There you can find us discussing why government waste and society makes me worry about my kids' future. And <laughs> my right, dog's so, uh, anger. So <laughs> Please check me out at uh, rapidsurvival.com. Uh, you can get me there on the live chat while you're buying some prepper gear. You can also email me at uh, feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. Well, thanks for joining us this evening. And until next time, uh, be prepared, stay safe, and keep learning. <laughs>